You're listening to Fucks Given. The one where we fuck our mind. Hey, Florence. Hi. (laughs) Ah, That was a good episode title that Reed thought of one second before we started recording. Thank you so much. I do feel like (laughs) anytime we talk about therapy, people often switch off because I think it's everywhere at the moment. There was a real surge of therapy talk and... I th- I genuinely think people are sick of it now. It's like, stop fucking telling me I need to fucking go to therapy. We turn into teenagers, angry teenagers. I don't want to go. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to um, do it. <laughs> like, stop setting your boundaries. Stop saying like, I don't know. <laughs> How dare you look after yourself? How dare you want to learn and grow? Like, t- <laughs> stop telling me I got to do shit. You know, man? Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a very childish response, but yeah. um, we will fucking do it. Obviously, this episode has been inspired by the whole Jonah Hill fucking debacle. Yeah, yeah. And we are going to get in deep with that. We are. In this episode, we're also going to be reading out the Curious Fuckers funny and wild therapy stories. I cannot wait to see what you have all been up to with your therapists. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited to go deep. And I'm going to talk about when I told my therapist about my fetish for the first time and how that went down. So, yeah, very excited. But first, Florence. First. Do you have any updates? What's been going on in Bone Town, Vulva Town? There has been no boning. (laughs) Did I just hear a tumbleweed in the distance? (laughs) That's my, my, my pussy is like. <laughs> it sounds so dry. So dry. I friend zoned um, the girl I was seeing just because it ended up that we were way more compatible as friends. We're still going to hang out as friends. Oh, that's lovely. Um, yeah, which is great. Which is like one of the best things about dating a woman. Because you're like, oh, this isn't really going anywhere, but we do really like each other. Let's still hang out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You can't really do that with the opposite gender. Is it because people get too butthurt? Maybe. Yeah, probably just toxic masculinity. I have been trying to date. Okay, guys? Like, I'm really trying. I'm like, Mm -hmm. but it's hard because I still have major commitment issues and like fear of being hurt again. And like, Mm. I have a lot of like not feeling worthy and not feeling good enough thoughts going around my brain at the moment, which isn't a great space to be in for dating. But, no, um, that's like the yeah. worst space because the creeps, the ones that you don't want to be around, they come out the woodwork and they smell it on you and they're like, yeah, oh, she's got a little self-worth. Okay, let's, yeah. let's fucking go. Well, I basically self-diagnosed myself with inattentive ADHD and I feel very in line with a lot of the things that happen when you do have it. And I really get stuck on hyperfixation mm-hmm. and I was like this explains so much about my previous dating style and relationships and the reason that my mum every time I tell her that I've gone on a date with someone she likes when, someone that I like oh, she's wow what Freudian the drama, <laughs> the drama. <laughs> that um she's always like Florence just remember to take it slow slow down and like it's never any positive um affirmation in that it's always just like Florence just remember to be calm take it slow I'm like why is everyone always saying this to me and it's because I hyperfixate and I suddenly get so overwhelmed with liking a person that my brain just goes on this like roller coaster ride and it happened last week because I went on a date with someone that had so many green flags ticked so many boxes and I clicked with him and I was like, oh, like, I think he's attractive. So immediately, and the date went really well. So I was like, oh my God, this is potential. And my excited hyperfixatedness clicked in straight a fucking way. I was thinking about him a lot. I was thinking like, you know, when's he going to text? All of that stuff. And then I was like fantasizing about like things in like that could happen after the day. And it turned out that he had some family stuff that took basically his communication went very, very down. And he was in a way this week. So I got wrapped into this whirlwind and then got 
also kind of catapulted out of it very quickly at the same time. And I felt so embarrassed when I was out of it. It's really unfair because, you know, you've not done anything wrong. You know, you're, you've just followed your brain, followed followed what's put in front of you. But it felt so stupid to suddenly be like, oh my God, I was so excited about this new person that I chatted to for three hours on a date. That like, I don't know them at all. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, like all these things are going to happen. Like yeah, everything's clicking fantasy. into place. Yeah. And I'm really excited about seeing them again and talking to them and... And yeah, I think I said a couple of things that I feel like, oh God, I just came across in like such a overbearing way. Like probably even wasn't that overbearing, but my anxiety was overthinking everything. Yeah, like the, the regret and the shame. And I think a lot of people feel exactly like this with with new people but I think the difference is is when it becomes debilitating and when it becomes the only thing you think about and when it stops you from doing your day-to-day tasks or working and that's when it becomes a real issue yeah well I'm glad that I came out of it but I haven't spoken to him all week so uh, I think I might have uh, scared that one off good work Florence potentially but also potentially not you know if he's dealing with shit he's dealing with shit and he might come back and then there's also that part of part of us that should shouldn't hold back shouldn't hold back from the true selves that we are because you will find someone that loves that hyperfixation and then it works so perfectly with and they will be super into it i don't they know. will be i but think hyperfixation isn't healthy though no, I yeah. Yeah, well, uh, and no, uh, you're right. It's not healthy. And with the with um my dude that I was seeing at the end of last year, he had ADHD. We both hyperfixated on each other. We got yes. into this whirlwind like, "Oh my god," mm. and he was saying things like, "Oh my god, I can imagine like you having my babies and like oh my god, living yeah. <laughs> with me and like moving in and I went to meet his family for thanksgiving like yeah like two weeks after you met him or something crazy fuck Mm. and then suddenly it got to christmas time we had some time apart and we were like do we actually like each other or is this like and then the next time yeah and the next time we saw each other it was like huh i don't know where that went (laughs) that's so interesting yeah Yeah. because I think I think doing all of that and doing it really quickly and meeting the parents and like running with the fantasy works but only if you've met the right person and it's really fucking hard to do that it's hard to meet the right person yeah it's when the hyper fixation overlooks all the incompatibilities which it did actually there in that in that scenario and Mm. but I felt like I was on fucking drugs. Yeah, drugs. During that time. I remember, right, Mm -hmm. on the car ride back from Sonoma when we were from the Thanksgiving trip, and I was just like so happy. Like, so happy. Mm. I've never, like, I haven't felt that. It was like being on shrooms and, like, you know, all of that good, like, oh my God, look at how amazing life is and how everything's working out for me. And look at that fucking mountain. And look at this little doggy in my lap. And like, I've got a little family in this car. And yeah, wild, yeah. wild. Well, my my it brain. Feels like, it feels like drugs because it is drugs. It's the serotonin and the dopamine. Yeah. And we can also get addicted to those feelings. Like yeah. we kind of get get addicted to like stress and anger and yeah. yeah. Like why would you want to stop that feeling? Why would you want to see the truth and the reality if it means all of that <laughs> I goes? Don't know, man. Yeah. And now I'm like down from this recent very small bout of hyperfixation. It feels like very like, oh, it was just like it was just that. Like it wasn't real. Like I'm back yeah. in reality now. That weird, like, and it was such an anxious, like, excitedness that was like, it's not really that comfortable at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it is uncomfortable, but it is also like there are positives to it. You know, like we can be very motivated by it. It can like get us up in the mornings and we can we can we can feel good about ourselves. You know, go to the gym, exercise is easier, eating healthy is easier. But yeah, when the crash comes and it does disrupt, it's just yeah, it's a it sounds like a very good lesson, a very good way to see yourself from a different perspective. Yeah, it really has been. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> what about you? 
What about me? What's been going on in my life? Uh, well, th- things are kind of crazy on my side. Um, in the yeah, the love in the love sphere, in the love romantic in sexual the L-O-V-E sphere. sphere. In in the yes, in the place of feeling really good about other people. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Um, <laughs> currently seeing four beautiful people. Wow. And, yeah. yeah probably very in love with three of them at the moment feeling lots of feelings of love so yeah oh really i didn't realize that you were feeling love for more than one yes so the um the the couple that i'm seeing the engaged couple the one from the lido story definitely feel a lot of love for them that's so cute yeah it's a it feels like a very different type of love it feels like a very beautiful romantic friendly but like more than friendly love like I'm obsessed with them and I want to hang out with them all the time yeah kind of love but it's a very different dynamic because they are already a relationship they are engaged um and so it's it's yeah it's like a it's almost like a like standing back and watching them kind of love oh yeah compersion which is really beautiful um so yeah feeling really good about that and Lots of love in other places too, you know. <laughs> you know how it'd be. Um, and yeah, funnily enough, not having a hell of a lot of sex, which is interesting. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. I've wow, also got tumbleweeds. Pussies, yeah. yeah. It's like a cave, a dry cave in there. Like, echo, echo. Echo, echo. Um, uh, but the sex that I am getting is, is yeah, it's pretty satisfactory. Nice. Um, it's good. fun, fun, wild, kinky sex. Which is fun. Oh, definitely. I would really love some kinky sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely, I'm not even, it's not even like I'm actively seeking it, but when it's there, it's great. And it is filling in a need. And yeah, it's been getting really fucking kinky, which is nice. Ooh, yeah. Um, kinky and safe, but also fucking intense. Like, it's always intense. I was supposed to be going to a fetish weekend event this year, like a tickle event called hysteria and i've decided i'm not gonna go which um is actually like a lot for me like the fomo and just like not really being in the right place to go through something that intense with people i don't really know yeah the problem with those kind of events is that you never know how you're going to feel at the time and you have to be in a very very good space yeah and in like the right space to go and enjoy that and it's also like in the middle of nowhere in the midlands you know, and you've got to get a hotel and it's the whole weekend. And so I've, I have decided to, yeah, take myself and, and do self-care and not go, but do something nice for myself instead. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, I'm growing, I'm learning. I took myself to the cinema for the first time yes. in my life. Yay. I, I cannot believe that's the first time you've ever been to the cinema by yourself. Because that's like one of my favourite self-care activities. Yeah, I well, I, I can't do it. So the way I equate it to, it's very similar to social anxiety, what I have, which is like isolation anxiety. So yeah. when somebody fears or feels anxious before meeting people or going to a party, I feel the exact same thing. Um, knowing that I'm going to go back to my flat on my own or going to the cinema on my own or taking myself out for a meal on my own. All of those feelings. So yeah, pushed myself this week and I did it. And it was horrible because the entire time I was so fucking anxious, but it did teach me a lot. Yeah, it taught me a lot. and And I had a really good time and, you know, pat myself on the back and it's just sort of proving that I need to keep pushing myself to do these things to remind myself that I will be okay, that it's not going to be the end of the world, that I'm not going to feel silly or stupid or be silly and stupid. And yeah, I feel really good about it. I feel like it's one step closer to my personal growth. Yay. Yay. We love personal growth. Yay. I mean, especially as this is the therapy episode. So, Well, yes, Whoa. on that note, shall we get into the main bulk of the episode? Yes, that sounds perfect. We shall. Do we want to kick this off with the Jonah Hill stuff? I would love to. <laughs> shall we recap the audience if they don't know what's happened? Yes, I think we should. So the story goes that this week, Jonah Hill, who's the guy from... Super bad from 
And he did this like therapy thing on Netflix, like a documentary. It was called Stuts. It was really good and I really loved it. So Jonah Hill's text messages between him and his ex, Sarah Brady, have been leaked. And the text messages that have been leaked are not good ones. They are from 2021, end of December 2021. And they state from Jonah Hill, which is quite a hard read, plain and simple, if you need, and this is him saying what he needs to have in a relationship, if you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places, and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful. I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings, but these are my boundaries for a romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the ways these actions hurt our trust. So Florence, what do you think about the whole situation? Firstly, when I saw it, I was so disappointed because everyone loves Jonah Hill and I have loved Jonah Hill and I thought he was a great person. But immediately I was just like, this is the most toxic bullshit that I have ever seen. A man telling his girlfriend that she can't post bikini pics. She can't like, and also calling some of her friends like unstable women and... Fuck. The whole thing is not good. Not good. And it's so frustrating because I had a lot of respect for Jonah Hill with the therapy stuff. He's very open and honest about therapy. He's clearly really puts time and effort into therapy, especially making a documentary on his therapist who he loves. I was really shocked to read this. There's him putting up boundaries. And my therapist calls this, and she's not talking about this situation, but other situations that I've been involved with, it's thera- it's weaponizing therapy terms. And I think I keep hearing this a lot over and over again. Even I've had instances recently where I've gone to apologize to somebody and they've used weaponized therapy terms to retaliate back and to hurt me. Um, and it's where people are using the wrong terms in the wrong circumstance And it exactly here, he's saying, these are my boundaries. They are not boundaries. Boundaries are not things that you put in place that stop somebody else from doing something that they want to do or they should be doing. These are his controlling demands. Demands, yeah. This is is controlling. This might be his boundaries in terms, like basically he just shouldn't have fucking written it like that. You know, like he is just really poorly written. He should have been very clear that like this makes him uncomfortable, but you can't stop somebody from doing something like this and then put a word like boundaries on it and say, oh, it's my boundaries. You need to respect them because this is the therapy term. And it doesn't fucking work like that. At this point, they're already in a relationship. They're probably already in love. And when someone that you love says things like this to you, it's very emotionally manipulative and coercive because you want to respect them. And you could see from her replies that they did emotionally trigger her to be like, obviously, like, I don't want to hurt you. I want to do things that will make you happy and all of those things. But that is because the language that he used was emotionally coercive coercive and abusive you should not tell your partner to not do something and and putting it in that manipulative way is is not okay you can tell them and you can explain to them that something really bothers you or upsets you or you're trying to deal with it but if it's something that makes you feel uncomfortable because of your own insecurities telling them to stop doing it is not solving the problem it is just controlling them If something your partner does upsets you, makes you mistrust, you know, that's something that you personally need to work on or walk away from. Yeah. It shouldn't be, you need to stop doing this because these are my boundaries. It's it's really complicated. And I don't hate Jonah Hill for this. I've been in this situation many fucking times with exes. I think the weaponizing therapy words is really dangerous because we do it a lot. Well, this is the thing as well, is that what he's saying is all based on his own insecurities about himself. He's trying to make himself feel safe by controlling his partner so that he doesn't put himself in situations where he feels insecure. 
And it's really sad, obviously, that he is in this place where he is that insecure that his girlfriend cannot have relationships with other men. She can't see friends that he deems unstable women. She can't post sexy pictures of herself online or even not just sexy pictures, bikini pictures. She can't model. He basically doesn't want her to be in the attention of anyone else. He wants her all for himself. Yeah, because of his own insecurities, because he feels threatened that somebody else is going to take his place. If any of the things that we have read out are ringing true to you and make you feel like your partner shouldn't do that. If you can relate to Jonah Hill, you need to do more self-work around your own insecurities. That is not your partner's fault that your insecurities are stopping you from allowing your partner to live their life. If that's the case, you need to speak to a therapist or a professional and work on those insecurities. It's not okay to just live like your insecurities are just the way that things are and that other people have to mould to make you feel okay. That is not how it works. You're the one that has to do the work. Otherwise, you're going to have a miserable relationship and it will end in tears. If you want a successful, beautiful relationship, you should allow your partner to grow and do whatever they want and please. And you should be able to love and cherish every moment of that, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable or your insecurities come out or maybe makes you feel untrustworthy. That's something that you yourself need to work on. You cannot expect your partner to fix that about you. They sh- you shouldn't have to ask. It needs to come from within and internal. And if any of these things make you uncomfortable, have a conversation and say, like, I am willing to do the work if you give me time. Don't stay silent. I think that's like the main goal. If you relate to this in any kind of way in your relationship from either side, just don't stay silent. Talk to people about it. That's the only way you're going to start understanding what's happening. And you know what? It's so difficult as well, because even when some people talk to their friends about it they'll be like oh yeah oh my god I could never let my partner do that and it comes up all the time in non-monogamy in polyamory in sex work and then that is just confirmation bias of course if your mate is going oh yeah I could never let my girl like do OnlyFans or fuck other clients oh my god yeah that's just gonna just Pound that insecurity in with insecurity. Yeah, I totally forgot to mention that guy that I was talking to on Raya <gasps> that um, made yeah. me... I mentioned that I did OnlyFans and suddenly he was like, I told you that I don't share my woman. And like he collated uh, sex work to OnlyFans to prostitute. He was like, you're a prostitute. And he was like, you've probably already sold your body for money. And he was like, don't you think that they're... Don't you think that's the easy way to survive? Like, mo- like not all women sell their pussy for money because it's too easy. Uh, he was like, "That's disgusting." Like after, uh, and then as soon as like all these things, and I was like trying to type back to try and like have like a reasonable conversation and a response to tell him why mm. these opinions were not tr- like were they not right or fair, and he blocked me. Jesus or unmatched me so that Christ. I couldn't even reply. He just suddenly disappeared. So I got all this abuse thrown at me for mm-hmm. doing sex work and OnlyFans. And suddenly, poof, I was like, oh, cool. I can't defend myself. And it Horrible. left me feeling so, Oof. like, just attacked, basically. Violated. Yeah. yeah. Like, and unable to stand on your own two feet. And he screams of insecure. Like, oh. that is the epitome of an insecure man. Oh yeah, yeah, 100%. Like the fact that oh he he was also previously in the question uh conversation questioning me about my bisexuality and like being like well obviously I wouldn't be okay with you um having another uh like sleeping with a woman because it would make me feel like you don't love me and I was like what the f- who the fuck is this guy? He's just gone off like, on one. He it's went off on one. But yeah, at the end of the day, all of these toxic opinions and controlling, uh, possessive attitudes from men are all down to insecurities. And I think this is just such a huge problem. Like men have so many insecurities because of the way that society has like obviously put men at the top of everything that they, they have so... They have such a high pedestal to climb to that 
it's actually unreachable. And that leaves them feeling so inadequate, so like not man enough, all of like, and then you get the fucking Andrew Tates of the world and all of these men are just insecure. Mm -hmm. I would like to interject and say that that it isn't just dudes that do this. I know plenty women that are also like this, if not worse. And it, I feel like sometimes it comes out even worse when it's an insecure woman because they feel like they have more to say and they can get away with control more easy. I have seen this time and time again where, yeah, people I know are telling their partners what they can do, what they can't do, where they can go, who they can be friends with, um, who they can text, who they can follow on Instagram or like the photos of on Instagram without actually doing the bloody work within themselves. Um, Like Instagram anxiety is huge. It is huge. But if you are worried about what your partner is commenting on or liking or following, you need to go and speak to somebody because that is just insecurity on your own part. And it becomes possessive when you tell them to stop. But I don't think it's fair to say that like either gender has or does it worse than the other. I think like, I think we maybe you're right. We we do it different. Yeah, it's just different. And not everyone does it either. Lots of people don't do it. No. And I guess it's just a topic of insecurity. And this is why we do love therapy. But we love therapy when we don't weaponize it against other people. Oh my God, please stop using weaponized terms. It's killing me. Um, I, I don't, I'm not angry at Jonah. I, it looks like a really stupid text message and really poorly written uh, conversation that he I'm shouldn't have done over text. Very disappointed. And it seems like the relationship potentially went the toxic way anyway, because if we are people pleasing, if our partner says, don't do this, and we say, yes, you're right, I won't do this, that's people pleasing. Um, just to make them happy, which ends up killing us from the inside out. That is literally the epitome of my last relationship. I people pleased so much to protect him and his feelings and emotions. And I ended up like literally destroying myself over it. And so I can't do that again. I'm not, I like compromise, sure, but compromise doesn't look like stopping something immediately. Anyway, to break up this episode from being very, very serious and quite like feel like we got a little bit preachy. We did. We got, we got carried away with our emotions. Join the Come Curious cult, guys. Fuck. Okay, so I want to read out one of the Curious Fuckers therapy stories. Okay, so one of the Curious Fuckers said, My therapist is gorgeous and I probably have a crush. Should probably stop seeing her. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that is quite tough. (laughs) That is tough. I was actually talking to one of my friends the other day and she was saying how hot her therapist was. And it is quite, that's, it's quite a weird thing to get super vulnerable with someone that you're like, oh yeah, you're hot. Yeah. Sometimes your therapist, actually a lot of the time your therapist knows you more in depth than your closest best friend or your closest partner, you know? Yeah. But it happens. I think there's like a weird caring like element to do with therapy because also you're going there and they're they're making you feel better and unlocking your brain yeah and you walk away feeling like so fucking good yeah well it was funny because when I started seeing my current therapist right at the beginning he was like just so you know like I think that I will probably be taking on like a fatherly role to Mm. you like because Mm -hmm. of the the things that we've spoken about with the daddy issues and he was like just I just wanted to make you aware of that um, in case it made you feel uncomfortable. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's quite, that's quite an interesting thing to like voice out at the beginning yeah. of therapy. But I was like, it is very true. Like he's the only kind of male older figure in my life that gives mm-hmm. me advice and listens to me. And that could be get seen what you as... need from him. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, like yeah. there was like down the line further into the therapy relationship I guess um he would like send me messages like if I had done something like when I was moving to America or with the book deal and stuff and he would like be like oh I'm so proud of you and like all those things I was like you know that like I would want to hear that from my dad so it's like is that a good thing for a therapist to be saying or does that cross the line I I don't know 
hard to know. But then again, you know, maybe it's okay for a therapist to take on a, a bit of a daddy dad role. Yeah. Like like as long as it's stated. Yeah. And you know what? Like since I've been having a better relationship with my dad, I feel like I probably don't need my therapist as much. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's very fascinating. Yeah. So how do you break up with your therapist? <laughs> that is so hard. I think it's like one, I think it's just as hard as breaking up with a friend or a lover. Yeah, it is really, really tricky. Cause it's like, you know, all my deepest, darkest secrets and I just don't want to see you anymore. And like, I remember when I did it with one of my therapists and I just sent her an email because I had a really bad session with her where I was like, I was suicidal and she told me that I was, she was like, her advice for that was, oh, I think you're just like suffering with intense loneliness. And I was like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, what? what's your advice? Like, I'm having suicidal thoughts. So anyway, obviously needed to end that therapy relationship because I was like, I'm not getting anything out of this anymore. So I just emailed her and told her that I didn't want to see her again. She replied being like, hey, it would be really good to have like one last wrap up session and like all of that. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I did the exact same thing. (laughs) It's the only way. And I feel like it's too hard to do it in person. It's happened a few times. Like when I've, when I've had therapy with the NHS and it comes to the very last one, it, it does feel like a breakup because you both know it's going to end and you also feel really lost with it. You're like, but what am I going to do afterwards? And I've had really good endings of therapists where I have had a, a sort of a roundup session. And there was one that I remember that was so good where we went, we went over everything, like what to look out for, for big triggers, what to do when you're in a crisis, what to work on and move towards to. And that was fucking amazing. It was exactly what I needed for the end of that therapy. But I've also had the opposite where I've been so pissed off with a therapist. I've emailed them and been like, I don't think this is working anymore. You know, like basically like a stroppy breakup. Yeah. And there's nothing that they can do about it because it's a paid for service. Yeah. And that must probably kill them as well. They probably like, I don't want to just say goodbye and let you go. You know, like we have work to do here, but definitely with my mental health, I've been like, like, this isn't working for me. You're not bending to my will. I'm done. You know, not <laughs> not literally those words, but it's felt like that at the time. Like, so angry. Shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know how I would break up with my current therapist. It would just be really sad. It would be, be like... really sad. And I, I do think it is important to, to change therapists regularly because yeah, I feel like... every so often. I might be coming up so to that often. point, to be honest. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe like a, like a two-year ting. Yeah, mine's well, been how we over feel- two years now. Yeah. It, I think when you get to a point with your therapist where you're not, you're not being challenged and you're not learning new things or getting those epiphany moments, I feel like maybe you've just got as much as you possibly can out of them because they only know so much. And unless they keep learning on the side, they can't really give you any more. It's only yeah. until you go to another person that gives you a complete new different different perspective or the new things and the different ways that they've learned with therapy. Like I've had two therapists tell me two identical things, but in different ways. And one has hit me and been like fucking life changing. And another I just glazed over really really beneficial to change your therapist up but how do you break up with them how do you end things you know it's fucking hard i know people that have been in therapy with the same therapist for like eight years i'm like whoa what is normal like what is supposed to be the healthy thing to do like is it better to have a long-term therapist or is it better to change them like i don't know from like a professional point of view like i wonder like how like will our therapists at one point expect us to go but they're kind of waiting for us to make the decision yeah they don't want to suggest it yeah or do they not want to let go of you because you're a regular client they know how to chat to you it's easy to have a new client with new problems is quite scary for them yeah potentially it's it's interesting like watching someone develop and grow and like i can imagine that being quite nice like Mm. having a regular set of clients as a therapist are you just paying for a friendship are you just paying for somebody to talk to yeah i feel like it's i feel like you can be with your therapist as long as you want as 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 long as you're being challenged 
on things. Yeah. Because if you're not being challenged, you're not growing as a person. You're yeah. just stuck, stagnating in your thoughts. You don't want a therapist to agree with you and, and care for you and and like be like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's going to be okay. You want someone to be like, oh, yeah. no, you did fuck up here and you need to change your shit up like, yeah. and, and really make you think about things. Yeah. I mean, my therapist full on said to me after the end of the last situationship I was in was like, so there seems to be a pattern here and obviously that's you. <laughs> the pattern like, is you! That's so brutal. But it was so necessary. brutal. So brutal. And so obviously after that advice, I haven't been in a relationship since. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's good. Because you might have been in and out of relationships that have just been the same. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe <laughs> I'm in a point where it's different apart from not because I obviously just hop into hyperfixation. But yeah. anyway... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the honest, like, I liked that he said that to me because I was like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I feel like you're the, your therapist is the only one that can get away with it. If you heard that from a mate yeah. or from a family member, oh my God, shit yeah. would go down. But you hear it from a therapist and you're a bit like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I'm, I it think that different. about some of my friends and their patterns. And I, can't, yeah. I don't know if I could say anything to them. <laughs> we can't. We can't say it. We are not the paid professional here. We cannot. No. Unless you prefix it. I feel like sometimes we tell each other some difficult stuff. I feel like us is different. We tell each yeah. other whatever. But like yeah. maybe other people. Yeah. And I do, I feel like you can say difficult things, but you have to prefix it in the right way. It has to come across like, hey, I might say something quite difficult for you to hear. And I don't mean for this to come out like this, but, yeah. you know, like if you prefix it in the right way, but like it still might piss your friend off. Your friend is allowed to be pissed off with you, you know? But you're th- yeah. you can't really be pissed off with your therapist. So what about talking about sex with your therapist? Because obviously it really depends on your therapist's speciality in terms of, I think, your comfortability in talking about it. Because usually you know, when you start seeing a therapist, you're talking about family shit, you're talking about your parents, you're talking about this and that. And it's really hard to kind of step back and be like, okay, so now my next issue is to do with sex. And for some reason, it feels like talking about sex with a parent. Well, I have that with my therapist now. I find it really hard to talk about sex with her. I almost have to put on like a professional, I'm in a professional environment sex talk voice. Wow, which what? is really interesting, yeah, yeah. Because I think she's she's set boundaries and hasn't been like extremely open when it comes to sex. And mm. you know, like maybe sex is a separate subject where because it is so delicate and vulnerable, maybe they need to go through the right training to be able to talk about sex this appropriately. Is actually, a really, really, really good point. Because mm. if sex is a general, like quite a big issue that you want to talk about in sex, you need someone that really knows how to talk about the subject. Yes. And a lot of yeah. people, as we know, aren't that comfortable talking about it. Yeah, I can definitely sense that from my therapist. Yeah. But yeah. I'm getting such good shit out of her that I'm like, ah, it's not worth it. Not worth finding a new one just yet. But my old therapist, my old my the one before this therapist, um, she was really pretty good at talking about sex. She was unafraid, very like, very open when it came to sex and sex work and polyamorous relationships and relationships. And I did feel comfortable enough to talk to her about my fetish. I'd spoken I hadn't spoken to anyone about my fetish actually she was probably the main reason why I ended up going public about having a tickling fetish because after chatting to her about it and her helping me like piece together why I have a fetish and like help dampen some of the shame that I felt um so uh, if anyone's new here a fetish is different to a kink a fetish is something that's kind of like hardwired within you it's something that you need for your arousal for a lot of people um a fetish is only it it can't be something sexual but it is sexual to us so it's a body part an action or an object that people obsess over and often or not is from childhood and so I had a lot of shame around my tickle fetish because, of course, who the fuck tickles you when you're younger is like family members and friends. And that gets very confusing 
when you're a child, of course, it's not any of their fault that I have a tickling fetish. It's not my fault that I have a fetish. It's just something that happened and wires crossed in my brain and that's the way it is. What was it like talking to your therapist about that? Oh my God, terrifying. It was like, I like couldn't even say it. I think for the first few sessions, I couldn't even say the T word. I couldn't even explain. I just kept saying like, oh yeah, you know, my fetish. And I could talk about anything else. I could talk about anything else except tickling. And it wasn't until I really got the impression from her that she was so fucking non-judgmental that it allowed me to talk about it, um, especially around sex and sex work. Mm. So yeah, that was... so. As much as it is hard for therapists to talk about sex, and if you want to go to a therapist about sex, definitely go to a psychosexual therapist or someone yeah. who's in the sex er- I arena. Go, my therapist is a psychosexual therapist. Yes. Mainly yeah. because, well, not really on purpose, because I kind of started seeing them around, relation. I guess, relationship breakup issues. So that kind of makes sense. But I also, obviously, because of what I do, love talking about sex. So It's very intertwined. Yeah. I would yeah. definitely recommend seeing a sex and relationships therapist, psychosexual therapist. Like they're just, they just know, they know like the vulnerabilities about it. They know how to tackle shame. They know like mm-hmm. the intricacies. Oh my God, the shame, Whereas yeah. I think like a generic normal therapist wouldn't necessarily know about the intricacies of the shame revolving around sex in that way. Yeah, some will. Some I won't. I got lucky. Yeah, I got lucky with my past therapist, but I don't think it was her speciality. I think just the way that she was around sex because she was neurodivergent, she was like, it was just very normal for her to talk about it. There yeah. wasn't that shame. And and that's that's what really helped me. But then my therapist now, it is difficult. I am choosing my words more carefully um, because of maybe her reactions or the way she's spoken about topics in the past. Um which, you know, probably means that I'm not going to stay with her forever. I'm probably going to move on to the next one when I've got my fill, when I've got, you know, what I can learn out of this therapist. And yeah. I am learning a lot. My my sister was saying that with her therapist that she was seeing, it got to a point where they kind of finished what they needed to talk about. And her therapist yes. was like, how would you feel about wrapping this up and like moving on? And they both had a very like pleasant kind of mm. ending to that therapy which is actually quite nice i kind of like that the therapist took that on to it say it feels it. like it feels like a mutual breakup when the therapist is like I yeah think we're, i think we're done here yeah yeah because it it feels rebellious to say it to a therapist yeah. when they don't say it because you're it feels like you're being like rebellious and like, yeah, like you I'm still done. got loads of work to do <laughs> but you're like i'm out yeah see ya uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or, I mean, I just seeing this all as like relationships or like what I do, where I just like hop from therapist to therapist, like getting like, oh, well, fine. If it's not going to work, then I'll go somewhere else. Like, how but, awful is that? I don't maybe, do that with relationships. Jesus Christ. Maybe, well, staying, can... maybe staying with a therapist is like practicing long-term relationships and communication. But are you staying with your therapist because you have abandonment issues and you're scared to leave and go to to another therapist Fuck. and put in the work to find a new therapist? Okay, well, let's see what the curious fuckers think about talking about sex with their therapists. Yeah. So this curious fucker has written in, the therapist I least expected to understand masochism and BDSM... Grandma emoji, 70-year-old. She was a gem. Oh my god, Aww. I love I love that. Some people can really fucking surprise you. That's yeah. so good. You know what? I had a therapist on Better Help who was talking about kink and going to like kink community stuff and like BDSM. She was saying like how like good it like it's not she was like it's not therapy, but it can be very beneficial to play out some of these fantasies and role plays oh, in love. a safe environment. And she was r- really not someone I would have expected to be comfortable about sex because she was an American like from like Midwest America and I mm. you know my opinion mm. of that is obviously like bad sex education kind of shame religion and all Mm -hmm. of that which is obviously a huge stereotype okay so another curious fucker said my most recent ex was obsessed about what i was speaking to my therapist about because she was insanely controlling 
Every time I came back from anywhere without her, which was hardly ever, I'd be interrogated about what we spoke about with who who it was with to see if I would slip up on anything. Whoa, this is like a Jonah Hill thing. Including after therapy, I was having solely for a sexual assault that happened to me in my when I was in my teens. Oh my she was coercive in the fact that she would manipulate me into thinking that it wasn't normal to ever speak about your partner or your relationship in general with anybody and it worked. I would Whoa. end up feeling looking guilty every time I came home because I knew what was coming, not because I ever said anything bad, never again. I'm so sorry that you were in that situation yeah. because that is, I think that might be like probably the most controlling abusive thing someone could do like control what you said in therapy in the place where you're supposed to be open to talk about anything yeah you're supposed to talk about your partners in therapy like that's fucking why i go to goddamn therapy man like it's important it sounds like a really weird cyclical cycle of like like her being paranoid and then because of you looking guilty that that's feeding each other and you know, what you're supposed to do is, yes, encourage somebody to talk about ther therapy afterwards. But if they don't want to talk about it, you do not press and you do not push. That might be time that they need separate to process. You know, the best thing you can do is ask consent. Ask consent with these things like, oh, like, how was your therapy? Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Therapy benefits relationships, not hinders them. Oh, my God. Definitely benefits. Yes. She sounds mad paranoid. Oh, this is interesting. My my ex used to tell me my therapist was gaslighting me and manipulating me to take my money, but it was him gaslighting me the whole time. My uncle was saying that recently. Um, he he saw like a whole documentary on like a therapy kind of cult thing that ended up just like abusing people and taking their money. And he was just like, yeah, that's what therapy's like. It's just like this thing to why it's like a waste of money, but like so, like especially a generational thing. I th I see therapy as just paying for a gym membership. It's like you're looking after a different part of your body. Like it will yeah. never be a waste of money. Yes. You're going but to the gym for your brain. If you've got a good therapist, because I think if you're just like playing along with a therapist that you don't really connect with and you're not really mm. getting anything back from, then yeah, that could be a waste of money. I think you you the only time therapy really works is when you are so fucking ready to listen and do what your therapist says, even if it sounds ridiculous, even if it sounds like a waste of time. That's the only yeah. time. Just like fucking bring it to me. Therapy is like going back to school for your brain, but it will help you feel happier. One of the curious fuckers said, X was into cuckold processed it with my therapist needless to say i don't think he saw that coming i think it's very very cool that you've been as open as you could be to talk about cuckolding with your therapist processing it and like your i think that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing if your partner comes up to you with a kink that you don't quite understand what there's no better place to talk about that in th than in therapy Absolutely. Any of my partners, I would encourage them to talk to their therapist about my fucking tickle fetish for sure. Because it, it's gonna bring up it's gonna bring up feelings, you know, and those feelings don't have to be bad ones. It's just just about learning more. This one says she just kept quoting the Bible at me. <laughs> I cannot no. I wouldn't know what to do if my therapist did that. I'd probably end up turning it around and spinning it back on them therapizing them be like why do you feel like you have to quote the bible at me <laughs> like why do you feel like god would save me <laughs> that, that would be pretty jokes to be fair fuck people shouldn't oppress their religion and their beliefs on other people ever especially ever. not a therapist and i love this one learn the best choking techniques from my therapist no more crushed windpipe yes i wow. love i love Congratulations wow. to the therapist. Yeah, that is a great remember, therapist. Remember, when choking, don't crush the windpipe. You choke up to stop the blood flow, not the air. There we go. Huh. Ding. Interesting. I feel like we need a diagram. <laughs> yeah, well, like this, if you're on YouTube, don't do this right here. <laughs> but do that right there. Mm. Oh, God, I need to be choked immediately. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Pretty hot. 
that like uh, really brought back my horn the horn that was like lacking really like, oh there we go there it was there, there we go <laughs> what a fucking reaction okay curious fuckers i hope that this therapy themed episode has been beneficial to you in some kind of way and has pushed you towards getting <laughs> therapy with our sponsor better help lol rather than like you know scared you off of therapy therapy is amazing both Florence and I've been in therapy for years now and I, I literally couldn't couldn't function if I didn't have therapy once a week yeah so curious fuckers we also have a slight announcement to make Reed and I are going to be taking a little break over the next few weeks. But don't worry, because we're still going to be here with you with some episodes that we are sharing, special episodes. One of our favourite ever episodes of Sophie Anderson, The Cock Destroyer, and then some other podcasts that we were guests on. So we were interviewed. Yeah, so you kind of won't really notice the break apart from... Because we're going to have some really good episodes up yeah. over the next few weeks. And then we're going to be back rice as rain and, yeah, probably in a, a much better, less burnout place than we are right now. Yay! <laughs> Every podcaster needs a holiday too. Yes, Not that we're we actually do. taking a holiday. We're taking some yeah, we're still much-needed business time. Yes. Yes, but yeah, we hope you enjoy the episodes we have lined up for you. Very, very excited. And we'll be back shortly. I'm sure you'll be able to tell. Yes. And until then, you will still hear us next Thursday or see us next Thursday, even though yes. technically it's not as live as it usually is. If you like this episode, please follow us on Instagram at ComeCurious screenshot it put it out in stories we really appreciate that or tweet us or you know what you can put us on threads as well also remember to subscribe to our patreon so that you can support us doing what we do best talking about sex follow our facebook group where lots of the curious fuckers actually join forces and meet each other before going to sex parties to make it a much friendlier nicer space i actually met one in the hairdresser this week and she's she's on the facebook group and it was so lovely oh yeah. cute it was so oh nice. i love that i love that i love that yeah, it's so sweet if you're in the facebook group like you should be a patreon too like just saying all right let's stop with that stop with the emotional manipulation here <laughs> okay curious fuckers we will see you very soon yes love you all so so much love you you thanks for being here